0: I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. To minute 48 of Season 6 of Movie a Minute, the daily podcast where we take a caprasked journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and join me once again today is Scott Myers, the screenwriter of K9 and an associate professor of screenwriting at DePaul University. Welcome back to the show, Scott.
1: Great to be here. Continue on with this journey into
0: this wonderful movie called It's a Wonderful Life. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I, I hope you, you have been enjoying yourself this week also. Oh, yeah. It's
1: great to revisit this. And you really shine a light on several things that I hadn't even thought about. So I appreciate the opportunity to, to dig into the movie. Oh, wow. That's great.
0: I'll I'll come and teach your class one day. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I don't think you want that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so minute 48 begins with uh, Mary being surprised as uh, the door opens again and ends with Mary having an idea. So we we ended things yesterday with uh, the two of them getting into a little bit of a spat because the two of them are on completely different tracks as to what they they want and need. And George stormed out of there, uh, assumingly going back home and Mary is on the phone and she has ju- she just answered the phone and said hello as yesterday's minute ended and then she looks over and sees the door opening again so the the look on her face is great it makes you think you know that you know we you know we always see these tropes you know uh, uh, usually in movies where where someone is fantasizing about something you know that like someone will burst through the door And uh, maybe lift them up, you know, carry them away or whatever it is. You know, she has this look on her face that, you know, like, why is George coming back so quickly? You know, it's surprised. Oh, yeah. And well, I mean, that's right.
1: There there is that dynamic where we feel like, oh my God, they're never going to get together. They just (laughs) split up a big argument. That's it.
0: That's right. That's right. And uh, first of all, don't you think you should have knocked to come back into the house?
1: I think there, if you listen, because there's talk, but I think there may be a soft knocking, I think, in the, in the audio. I, I, I can't quite remember,
0: but. Yeah. I, mean, I, I didn't there's, hear it in the audio, and, it, and it's not in the, you know, it, it's it's not in the subtitles. There's nothing that says, yeah. you know, in the subtitles. Talking. You know, I have the, the, the subtitles that I use are the ones that you can hear the, the sounds also, you know, closed caption ones. So, yeah. you know, it says telephone ringing, and here it says door opening. But it doesn't say anything about knocking. Yeah, you know, I mean maybe because it's a small town idea, you know that uh, you you know people are, are uh, friendly enough that you know you don't necessarily knock every time. I don't know, or maybe he just thinks to himself, "Okay, I ju- I just left. <laughs> I'm going it right back in."
1: Yeah, or maybe he's just pissed off. He just wants to get in there, get the hat, and get the hell out of there.
0: You right. Know, so that's true. So, yeah, that, uh it's very possible. And then he then he goes, "Forgot my hat." And then you, you see the look on her face change, and she, she has a very wicked look on her face because she's, she basically says to herself, okay, now I'm going to make him even more jealous. I'm going to give him a reason to, you know, to want to, 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 to be with me or to stay here anyway.
1: Because there is that wonderful – this is Capper his director – a wonderful shot of her on the phone in the foreground and him in the background as he's getting his hat. And mm-hmm. you see this, see both of their, as you go forward in the scene, you see both of their expressions. As he's trying to milk this thing, like you were saying,
0: and, and him right.
1: responding to it. You see him picking up on it. Yeah. That's right.
0: Um, I, I always forget which of his ears doesn't work well. Is it his right? Uh, no, it's his right ear. So he's so, okay. So, so he's looking from his, on the left side. So I guess that makes sense that he can hear there and then she says in a very campy way i mean the the dialogue here she does in a very campy way she goes hee-haw hello sam how you doing so i always find it funny the the fact that whenever they're talking to sam they always say hee-haw yeah you know it 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 gives me the impression that maybe that's like his nickname you know as opposed to it just being the his catchphrase i guess so yeah i mean
1: it is associated with him absolutely
0: yeah. That's right. And then we we hear over the phone, Sam says, I'm great. Gee, it's gr- it's good to hear your voice again. And she responds, well, that's awfully sweet of you, Sam. And, you know, if you see her eyes are looking behind her yeah. uh, as if to say, okay, I'm really going to make him jealous at this point. <laughs> and then she says, there's an old friend of yours here, George Bailey. And then we hear over the phone, you know, Sam says, you mean old Mossback, George? She goes, yes, old Mossback George. Hee-haw, put him on. <laughs> now, do you know what Mossback is? No, I just figured it. I
1: mean, it sounds like, you know, it's not a complimentary, you know, it's like old, right? It's sort of a... Uh, you, yeah, maybe you looked it up, but it just... All...
0: Of course, <laughs> I looked it kind of... up. Come on, Scott. You you think at this point you you known me now for three days, okay? <laughs> or two and a half days. Okay. You think I didn't so look it up?
1: I'll set it up for
0: you. <laughs> I won't ask what, the question. The I won't ask the
1: question.
0: I won't ask the question if I don't know the answer. <laughs> uh,
1: okay. Well, what in the world does "mosback" mean, bro? <laughs> all
0: right. So the 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 the, the, the phrase actually. During the Civil War, it was known as Mossyback, and it meant a person who stayed hidden in order to evade conscription during the Civil War. And, I mean, when you you look at the the, the word itself, so what uh, it basically talks about is that, uh, you know, someone who has old-fashioned views, you know, someone who's very uh, conservative or reactionary, which again makes no—I don't see any connection between that and you know someone evading their conscription. <laughs> I don't know no. how we're, I don't know how that really came came about that you have it so you know you have these two very very different uh, connotations for it, but it basically means someone who has old-fashioned views, yeah. Uh, which maybe maybe from from Sam's perspective, so the you know the views of George are basically you know. Uh, I'm just gonna. I'm. I'm. I'm always gonna be. I'm always gonna be in Bedford Falls, even though everyone knows he wants to get out, but he just never manages. You know, it's possible that there are people who think that George maybe doesn't have the guts to 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 leave Bedford Falls. What do you think about that that aspect of it? Because um, not everyone knows the reasons. The North- not everyone knows the reasons he's staying.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, we do. Uh,
1: I, I actually thought there might be. You remember when he when he sees Harry? And he, or this is early on, where he says, "We need you at school." You know, you're a know, football player, and as opposed to your broken down. Doesn't he say something like yes. that about mm-hmm. George? They said Jr. that
0: at the at the at the graduation uh, at the prom, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, he's he's yeah. like, we, well, because Harry was was a high school uh, star football star. George, yeah. you know, George wasn't the sports uh, guy, and we we know that because. You know, when, he, when he's wearing the football outfit on the way home, it's just humongous on it. You know, he's, he's not built wow. properly for it. Now I know, I know, I know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so maybe then this Mossback thing, the old part of it, like this broken down or whatever, it's sort of like, this is the way that, boy, Sam's not very nice. <laughs> these sort of disparaging comments, uh, these backhanded comments to, to George. You know, Correct.
0: Uh, well, again, we, we from what we know, George uh, Sam is calling in order to uh, court Mary over the phone. You know that that's the impression that they've given given us up until now. Up so, until now, right? Yeah. So of course he's going to, you know, disparage George as much as possible because you know he's he's honing in on on uh, you know on what, what he's trying to do. You know, we'll, we'll find out. In, yeah. We'll find out very shortly that that's not necessarily true. Yeah, sure. But that, that's something else. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then Mary says, "Wait, I'll just a minute. I'll call him, George." And then from upstairs, we hear we hear uh, her mother say, "He doesn't want to speak to George. You idiot." Which goes back to that, that. That's a, a great. You know, uh, how how many mothers will call their daughters idiots <laughs> when they're when they're talking to the wrong guy? as far as she's concerned yeah. on the phone. You know, I, I I just I mean maybe I guess from a 1946 perspective it makes sense to for a mother to call her daughter an idiot for for wanting to talk to the wrong person on the phone.
1: Yeah, well that shows you I think it speaks to the desperation of the mother.
0: Not maybe not
1: desperation but that, that she is really desiring that Mary hook up with Sam get get her you know get that money. Ah, okay. So that she may she may blurt out idiot here because it's obvious to the mother that this conversation could potentially lead to them being together, Sam and and Mary. And so that may be that. It's also kind of interesting too to think about it when back to when George called her brainless right. at the drugstore when they were kids.
0: So That's right. So maybe she's used to to being called names by people who she uh looks up to. Yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. No, I just find it very strange that, that you know, she calls her an idiot. <laughs>
1: so. Yeah, maybe they've got a, a, a rather, uh, uh, you know, not contentious, but I mean, he's making violent love to me, mother. You idiot. I mean, maybe they've got this kind of open type of conversation where they're, they're you know, ripping each other or making these kind of ribald comments. I don't know.
0: Right. Okay, that could be. I mean, the, you got to think about it. That the the two of them are basically in the house by themselves. You know, Marty is off wherever he yeah. is. Uh, we 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 know that there is no Mister Hatch. So maybe you're right. Maybe they have such a close relationship that you know they they know how to joke around like this. That she can say to her mother, uh, "What are you doing? And, oh, I'm making love to him. You know, I'm making he's making violent love to me. You know, and then maybe no, oh, you know what? I never thought about that fact that that she's that close with her mother." Okay. I, I can buy that. I can definitely buy that. That Sam actually does want to talk to George. So she's, I don't know if she's defending uh, Sam here, but she's defending the fact that she wants to, to pass the phone over to George. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that, that little bit of dialogue, because
0: now I, hasn't George left at this point? No, he's still standing she's, there. She, 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 he's he's slowly say, inching. She's inching towards him. He's, oh, he's okay. sorry, he's inching towards her um as as so,
1: he's talking oh okay so that, that from a again from a screenwriting standpoint that's just a nice little bit of business where she and her mom are engaged in this little s- s- uh, sub conversation and she doesn't realize that george is approaching her because when she turns around then there's this startle so it's just a just a little bit of business we would call it a, i call it a bob you know that little right. conversation between the mom so she's turned away and doesn't realize the dramatic irony, we see George is there, but she doesn't. until she turns around and you have that little startle moment. So uh, again, it's an effective little fun, entertaining. The mom plays her whole role in this thing is kind of like a trickster character to create some humor. You know, I am not, (laughs) you know, so um, uh, they, they milk that, they make it more entertaining with this mother character just kind of you know, providing a, a kind of a tricky shape-shifting kind of bit of business that
0: she does. Right. That's true. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, George starts walking towards the door and then he's, he's, he's not on screen, but as soon as she calls for him a second later, he's already back. So he hasn't gone very far. You know, he apparently hasn't closed the door or, you know, maybe he was just right outside on the porch at the point when, uh, yeah. You know, when, when she screams to him, you know, she goes, George, Sam wants so to speak to you.
1: Spe- <laughs> that may speak to, because I, again, that foreground background shot, if you follow George's reactions, when she's going, "Hee ha, Sam, and the whole thing where she's kind of like you were saying, trying to uh, make George feel jealous, you can see that he's, he's dialed in. It's not like he's just grabbing his hat and running. He's right. Paying attention to what that conversation is. So when he leaves, He's still probably caught up with that. Well, should I leave, you know, Sam? And, you know, it it, it speaks to the, the general state of confusion that he's in. Probably right. that he doesn't just barge away, that he does kind of hang out on the porch and he's right there and comes back when
0: she she calls to him. Correct. Now, I mean, he, he, he leaves, but I think by leaving, he he has the look on his face as if, uh, you know, she is interested in, in Sam. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so he he doesn't really catch on. You know, again, as we've said all week, he's he's somewhat clueless about when it comes to 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 relationships and women at this point. He's a, yeah,
1: he's in, he's in a uh, uh an upended state of being. You know, I, ever since he found out that Harry mar- married Ruth and then Harry has his potential job which means he, he's not yet again not going to be able to leave Bedford Falls. He's in a An upended emotional state. And uh, as you said, I
0: think he's confused. Right. Because he doesn't know what what to believe. No. No, that's what he wants. Not just that he doesn't know what he wants, he doesn't know what Mary wants either. Yep. Yep. You know, and and that's causing him problems because he doesn't understand it. He's not able to read the situation. I think that's what it comes down to. And so he starts walking away, and then she she pulls him back in, and then he comes back into the frame, and takes the phone and goes, "Hi, Sam," and he goes, "Well, George Baileyovsky, hey, a fine pal you are." And as he's talking, I love how the shot changes, and now we see Sam sitting in a in a in an office, and then he goes, "What are you trying to do? Steal my girl?" and I gotta say, until I did research now, I never noticed this before. That he's actually, you know, uh he has a woman behind him and he's making making eyes at her and and she's basically uh touching him at the yeah. same time. So in yeah. other words, he has no interest in Mary. No. So then my biggest question then is is why is he calling? <laughs> yeah. Why Good has question. he promised Mrs. Hatch or Mary that he would call that night? You know, do they really believe that, you know, that he's interested or not?
1: That's a great question. The The first thing I would say is that we it's visual exposition. We get that the woman there with with them, that they are touching, that he's looking up at her. We get that.
0: Especially at the moment that he says you're trying to steal my girl, and he looks up and smiles. at Yeah,
1: exactly. It's like uh, uh, a way of selling that very quickly. So it's very, very smart writing and directing. Mm -hmm. But you're right. I mean, why does he call? I don't. I don't. You know, I really have no idea. Other than maybe they're just friends. He and Mary, and he just felt like chatting. Right.
0: Um, No, but he also looks very busy right now. It looks as if he's he's on his way to a party or something like that, and he's decided to take the few minutes to call Mary. Yeah, that's true
1: too. Because I was going to say he does bring up this thing which we're going to talk about about the plastics and his dad's business, and he does later on, you know, invite Mary and, and George to you know buy some stock. So perhaps that was his motivation. Was he seeking to provide this opportunity to his friends or something? But okay, but he didn't know that make George sense was going to be there. He was just getting ready. To... No, he didn't know George, but he was. He did. He did ask Mary if she's you got any money. And so maybe well, not yet. If you're looking, I mean, that's going to be later. No, not yet. Right. No, no. Well, but I'm saying in terms of like back ending and why he called, maybe that was the reason he called was to make this offer to her. Mm-hmm. But Could it doesn't be. make it doesn't doesn't make much sense because he's dressed up to go to you know, out party down or whatever. But anyhow, I was just trying to yeah. think of why no, no, no. Rationale, that may be one of them. Exactly.
0: No, no, I, I understand what you're saying. And, and if you look at the desk, he has he's he's on a phone and he has two other phones next to him. <laughs> you know, I've always find that funny, you know, that, that they, you know, you see the movies and TV shows sometimes when uh, people have numerous phones on their desk, you know. They're,
1: uh, they're important.
0: <laughs> yes. That, I think that's what they're trying to show here. Um, And you can see through the blinds behind him that he's in New York. And the reason that you can tell that is because you see the name of a hotel that is behind him, the Hotel Piccadilly. Um, Are you by any chance familiar with the hotel?
1: No, but I guess I would guess that you are.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm not I'm not familiar with it, but but, uh, you know, Um, the Hotel Piccadilly was built in 1928 and was located on Forty Fifth Street, West Forty Fifth Street, uh, in New York, and it was a seven hundred room hotel that was in the heart of the theater district. Wow, that's um, great. And it was uh, it was demolished in nineteen eighty two, and they 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 built the uh, Marriott Marquis in in wow. the place where where it was where it stood. But to me, this gives even more insight into what's going on here because it looks like Sam's about to go out to, you know, see a play. Uh, yeah, see a play. So Makes the fact sense. that he's, you know, that he himself is in the theater district uh, says a lot. Yes. You know, uh, again, this is, I, I, I don't know if that's on purpose. My, my assumption is that that Capper put that in there on purpose, expecting most people aren't going to catch it. You know, because it, it, yeah. it, it seems too random that they would say, you know that they, you'd be able to see the words hotel piccadilly. I mean you see that through the window on the right hand side but on the left hand side you see a a um you see like an advertisement scrolling uh you know from from uh, right to left and it it says uh, genuine fisher draft ventilation. I have absolutely no, no idea what that means. <laughs> I I tried looking it up and I found that there's like a There's an appliance company in New Zealand that was formed in 1928, which I thought maybe that's what it was, but they only started exporting to America in the 60s. So it wasn't that. So anyone out there, who, if you know what the generic Fisher draft uh, ventilation is, uh, please let me know.
1: (laughs) So I just went to a a version of the draft, the script, uh, a version of the script. uh, And when it goes to Sam's office, all it says is medium close shot. Sam is seated at his desk while a couple of his friends are nearby with highballs in their hands. Does not include the girl. Does not include any description of what's out the window. So that must have been something they did in production design. Yeah, could be. You know, and Capper and said, we need to put the girl in here in order to make clear that Sam is not really interested in her. That's right.
0: And I mean, the, the girl is, is is holding a glass. It's not, it's not a uh, highball. But she she has some yeah. sort of glass there with with I believe a cigarette in her in her uh, in her hand also at the same time, you know she's got yeah. her fur coat, you know she she definitely looks like she's about to go out out, out on the night in the uh, you know to uh, to the theater district.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're about to go to a play. Yeah, but that's not in the script, so it had to have been something that Capra dealt with in production design. Right, you know, just like yeah. Mm.
0: Okay, that, that that is fair. <laughs> um, do Do you know who the actor is who plays uh, Sam Wainwright? No, I've never followed up on that. I mean, was he? Did he have some noteworthy other roles? Yes, he has. Um, so he his name is his name was uh, Frank Albertson. He was born in 1909 and passed away in 1964. At the age of 55, which uh, is pretty young, uh, pretty young he, yeah. he has 196 credits on IMDb, acting wow. credits. Um, he's obviously in this movie, but he is also in Psycho. He plays uh, Tom wow. Cassidy in Cassidy. Psycho. Tom um, Cassidy.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to remember, that, was that? someone at the beginning of the movie where Marion's works or something like that.
0: I yeah, don't. I believe so. But, uh, yeah. Oh. I, I don't once remember. It's
1: the motel. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, I think once they get to the motel, it's, it's no, so it probably has to be up front in the movie, like where he's a coworker or something, or perhaps he's the car salesman. I don't know. You know,
0: Interesting. He is a wealthy man with an 18-year-old daughter who pur- purchases the Harris Street property as a wedding gift for his daughter. The purchase price was $40,000, and the realtor was uh, Lowry Real Estate. And he ended oh. up paying George Lowry $40,000 in cash.
1: Okay. That's, a, that's where the cash came from.
0: Yes. Right. He was okay. flirting with, with Marion Crane at the real estate office. Okay, and was trying to to get George to 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 join him f- to to go out drinking. Hey, the Sam way, right? <laughs> there he is. Guy likes to go out and drink. <laughs> That's right. So yes, um, and he is the the guy who uh, hires uh, Milton uh, Arbogast to to track down uh, Marion Green.
1: Oh, so he actually has a, a pretty important role, not yeah. only in setting up the cash, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, okay. Well,
0: wow. yeah. So yeah, I mean, again, he, having 200 uh, uh, appearances on IMDb is is pretty impressive, especially given the fact that he passed away at the age of 55. Yeah, no kidding. He's a busy guy. Yeah, very. Well, a lot of actors at this time, you you see that. I mean, we we talked a few weeks ago about one of the the bit actors who had like a very small part that that had like I think 400 roles on IMDb or something like that, some crazy, some astronomical numbers that, that you wouldn't think you know, that anyone would get near. Wow. 400 girls.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, well, we'll see where AI goes with that the <laughs>
0: background of good actors. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And then uh, the, the, the conversation uh, uh, continues a little bit. George basically says to him, what do you mean? Nobody's trying to steal anybody's girl. Here. Here's Mary. You know, and he tries to give her the phone back. And then we hear uh, Sam go, no, wait, wait a minute. I want to talk to both of you. Tell Mary to get on the extension. So, first of all, it's very funny to get on the extension. Does that mean that it's a known fact that everyone has numerous uh, phone extensions in their house? Or maybe just...
1: Or maybe it speaks to how close that Sam... You know, right. I mean, he knows Marty very well. Right. You know, so he's probably been in the house quite a bit, you know. Yeah. And that may speak again to the fact that, you know, there's this, they, they have this... Group of
0: people that are friends, right? You know, Uh, and so uh, it could be that, right? And then I I love her response here. Um, she goes, Mother's on the extension (laughs) (laughs) again. And she, Uh,
1: by the way, the line, I am not, that's not in the script.
0: Oh, really? Oh, wow, that's great that that's uh, you know, that was ad libbed. (laughs) I am not,
1: (laughs) that's such a great line. She's such a fun
0: character, yes. Yes. And we, I mean, when when we see her or earlier in this in this minute, you know, when she's when she's uh, when she is down, comes down the stairs and, and sees that George is there, she's constantly tugging at her robe. You know, both both uh, above and below. It's just very strange. The way that she keeps tugging, tugging at her robe. With the whole thing. Do, do you know who plays uh, the mother? So. so she was an actress named uh, Sarah Edwards. Was born in 1881 and, and passed away in 1965. And at the at the age of uh, 83, she had 189. Uh, uh, she has 189 credits in, on IMDb. She was also in the movie The Shop Around the Corner the bishop's wife. Uh, so, yeah, she, she had a very uh, uh, prolific uh, career also. Um, I mean, in, By in, the in, way, in this, in script, this movie, she doesn't do very much.
1: <laughs> but yeah. No, but she provides some some humor. Yes. Uh, and it does describe her as being in a bathrobe with her hair and curlers in the script. So they had that that idea mm-hmm. from the get-go, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> as the minute is is ending, we hear... <clears throat> Uh, Mary say we can both, and then uh, she gets cut off. You know, she, it, it's an interesting idea. You know that what what's funny, and we'll talk more about this tomorrow. But she doesn't even realize, uh, you know, how effective her little suggestion here is going to be. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's it's pivotal. Yes, the scene doesn't work if, if that if they're not talking like Correct. this and that proximity. That's right. and But she has no clue that that's what's going to be happening here. No. no. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, and that's how this minute ends. Do you have anything else you want to say about this minute? No, it's just,
1: it's great. And also the, the bit about her mother, just as a reminder, like when I tell my students, there are no unimportant characters. Every character, whether they're a secondary character that appears in, you know, multiple scenes, but not, not all of them, or a, a tertiary character that only appears on like one scene you gotta give them something special some unique something that uh, speaks to their their specificity as a character and uh, the mother's role she does you're right she doesn't have a lot going on in this movie but in this scene she does play a comedic role and Uh, you know, she's a busybody. She's a nosy person. She's got an agenda. She wants her daughter to be with Sam, you know, so you give her that much and then it's great that she sort of pops off the screen when she, when she uh, engages things, you know, so Mm -hmm. very much. Good lesson. Good lesson.
0: Yes. All right. So every Wednesday we have a segment called, it's a wonderful Wednesday. Uh, The idea behind this segment is that Ever since this movie came out 77 years ago, there have been so many different realms of media that that have decided to take on the idea of what would happen if something similar to what happens in this movie happens to their characters. You know, it has become a very famous trope. I'm assuming as a screenwriter, you're, you're familiar with the fact that people like reusing or recycling tropes uh, that, that work, hoping that it's going to work for them too. And I, I must say that that so far of of all the ones that I've covered over the last 10 weeks uh none of them have come close to being as effective as this movie is and i probably my my assumption is is that i'm not going to find something that will be more effective or that that even comes close to being as effective as as they are here of using the idea of what you know when a character finds out what life would be like without them or You know, sometimes I'm I'm touching upon the the theme of alternate universes and stuff like that. You know, like if they would have gone right instead of left, what would have happened? Things like that. Um, So this week I actually decided to go into a form of of media that that I am very unfamiliar with. Uh, And I, I just came across it. And it's actually radio. So on February 2nd, 1947... So we're we're talking not very long after this movie came out. Um, I, I mean the movie the movie debuted in December, but it only was I think in, in full release in January 1947. It was December 46 and January 47. So we're talking only a month after it came out. Uh, so we have the the Jack Benny program. So Jack Benny had a uh, uh, radio program that was I guess airing once a week, and so the plot of this. Episode and I actually was able to find it online and listen to this uh, thirty-minute episode where uh, you know Jack goes to see the the movie It's a Wonderful Life and as he's uh, walking home with uh, I guess his girlfriend uh, he basically talks about the fact of how improbable this type of idea is that something that couldn't work or anything like that and then he bumps into Frank Capra. And he has a little bit of a conversation with Frank Capra, which I find really funny. That's something, it's something they, they, they only could do back then. I don't think you would find that much here nowadays. That, you know, that just walking down the street, you're going to bump into, uh, you know, some a filmmaker or something like that. You know, then, then a little bit later, he, you know, he's in his, his apartment and he, he has to go get something from the cabinet. And as he's doing that, he uh, bumps his head. And when he wakes up, there is a, uh, he has a guardian angel next to him that tells him what, uh, you know, that that the movie's premise is probable. And now I'm going to show you what your life would, what what the lives of people around you would be if you weren't, if you didn't exist. So again, they they go through the various characters of, of this radio show. I'm not familiar enough with the show to know who all of the, the characters are. I mean, even after listening to it. So you have a character named Don Wilson, who has become a farmer, and another character, uh, Phil Harris, uh, that, uh, you know, is, is I think, a comedian, and he's starting to play at all these uh, really bad uh, venues. And then uh, another one of the characters, Dennis Day, has gotten a job working for, for someone else named uh, Fred Allen, who was, I believe, another comedian at the time. One of the other, and the the woman that he's walking with, Mary Livingston, uh, who, uh, you know, who who went to the movie with him. She she marries uh, another one of the characters named Frank Nelson. So he finds out that, uh, you know, that that basically everyone moved on with their lives without him, and that somewhat uh, he, he's insignificant, and. And then uh, he, he wakes up from the stream and, you know, everything is back to normal. So it's just, again, it it's a nice way to look at this. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think it even comes close to being as effective now uh, as the movie itself is. It's possible, you know, back in the day it made more sense. You know, not, I, are you familiar at all with radio programs? Well...
1: I'm familiar with the Jack Benny show, but I remember it from the, when I was super young uh, from TV. And several of those characters that you're talking about, there were people on the TV okay. show.
0: Okay, uh, it makes sense.
1: But I, I don't remember the radio aspect, but I do remember that he did have a, a, a successful TV yeah. show.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I'm not saying that the show isn't successful. What I was saying is the, the idea of this trope uh, just doesn't, oh, yeah. th- just didn't, doesn't feel that you know. it works uh, very well. No. But but I was I was very yeah, happy to, I, to 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 check out this new medium, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Radio was, was
0: huge. Yeah. Back I mean I, I like the yeah. fact that that uh, you know I'm, I, obviously when when you're watching movies, everything is very visual and stuff like that. But I like the fact that the they were able to make the 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 radio programs uh, very uh, uh, audio. I guess you can say that. You know, there there are a lot of things that are going on that you can hear are going on. Um, you know, I, I, I may be wrong, but I, I seem to remember
1: that they did a radio production of It's a Wonderful Life like 15 or 20 years ago. I could be wrong on that, but I I, I think they did a version
0: of it. Uh, it might be worth looking that okay. up. Um, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So, uh, Scott, you want to once again tell people uh, where they can find you?
1: Go under the story as my blog.
0: It's the official screenwriting
1: blog of the Blacklist, which is the most important screenwriting uh, brand in Hollywood, if you will. And so that's that's someplace you can go just tons of information for writing and screenwriting. I have a book out called The Protagonist's Journey, uh, a, an introduction to character driven screenwriting and storytelling. Uh, it's uh, published by Palgrave Macmillan, which is a London-based company that's been in existence since the 1850s. And it's done quite well. Uh, it's number one bestseller in film and television on Amazon. Um, so, yeah, those are two points of
0: reference there that I'd like to provide. All right, there. great. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move a Minute. You can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. You can find me on Facebook, and you can find me on Twitter. So, until tomorrow, hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly dear. Life with its sorrow. Life with its tears.